Hi, my name is Ruby and I'm Dr. Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is called The Higher Desire Partner, originally produced and published by The Marriage Laboratory from the Marriage Theriyoki Podcast. Welcome, we hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, I'm so excited to be interviewing Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife today. Thank you for coming on the show. For having me. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are and what you do. So I'm Jennifer Finlayson Fife, and I live in the Chicago area and I'm, uh, um, I work specifically with LDS couples generally around sexuality and relationship challenges and so I have a private practice there, and then I also do um, a lot of live workshops and online courses on improving your relationship and improving your sexual relationship, as well as a course designed just for uh, LDS women called The Art of Desire that's uh, very much about self-development and integration with your body and sexuality um, and desires in your life, sexual and otherwise. So it's, um, it's a very popular course, but it's... Uh, it's, you know, the focus of my research was on women, LDS women and sexuality. So it's kind of my favorite topic. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're good, yeah. good, good at speaking at it. And I have personally taken three of your courses and I cannot recommend them highly enough. They've been so integral in framing my own mindsets around my marriage. And I've watched your, your marriage course a few times. And every time I'm just blown away by the wisdom that is bestowed in that. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So our topic today, we want to address this podcast to the high desire partner. Every relationship typically has a higher desire partner and a lower desire partner when it comes to sex. And um, I feel like mostly I typically address the lower desire partner because I usually, my typical audience is women as well. And that's um, Mm -hmm. a lot of times more what they're struggling with, but not to say definitely that there aren't higher desire women partners. Of course there are. Yes. Um, yeah. and anyway, I personally, I'm just find myself frequently at a loss of any advice to give or even resources or what to say. Although I do get a lot of emails, um, from the high desire partner, both male and female, just kind of at a loss of how to improve their sex life. Yeah. Everything from sexless marriages for years to just kind of a desire to, you know, a husband wanting her wife to be, his wife to be a little more into it or just all sort of a big range. Yeah um right problems and issues so we're just kind of today in the in this interview we're going to go through some do's and don'ts i guess um of being a high desire partner so first question i have for you jennifer is what are maybe some common pitfalls that a high desire partner like might find themselves how how they were how they're reacting that's just not helpful sure well i mean let me just start by saying you know you're response to the issue which is often or that the, the people writing the questions themselves it it's not unusual i mean it's, it's the reason why people struggle with the question whether you're the person who is the high desire person or the person trying to help that person is because you have limited or no control over your spouse's desire yes. and so that is to say but the de facto reality is that you are the powerless one in the dynamic Yes, because I don't know if I want to quite say powerless, but you have you can't make sex happen. You can't make well, you can, but not unless you're indecent, right? And so you can, but you can't make someone desire you. You can't make someone love you or choose you. You can't make someone deal with their sexuality. Uh, so basically, the reality of it is, is that if you're the high desire person, 
uh, and you feel relatively unloved or chosen or desired by your partner, you can't make that change. I mean, and as I'll talk about, the most you can do is deal with the question of your desirability Mm. and deal with how honest you're being in the relationship around your own desires. Okay, but we'll get to that. But really, that's part of what the reality is. And it's a hard part of intimate relationships is that uh, when you're the low desire partner for anything, even if it's having a baby, when you can't agree to disagree on those things because it's going to do one or the or the other. You, you know, you, you're the low desire person has de facto control. Yes. If you're the one who doesn't want to have a baby, okay, unless the high desire person is going to manipulate the other person or deceive them into pregnancy somehow, you're not going to get what you want. Okay. Right. And so that's just a hard reality of a dynamic like that where, where you only forced into one choice. And if you're the low desire person for that choice, you're going to have more control. So, um, okay, so that said, the pitfalls. I would say that there are two ways that I think high desire people in one's immaturity, and I mean that respectfully because I see all of us as immature and mm-hmm. as, you know, and, and able to grow and develop in our relational capacity as people, but two immature responses, although I would say it affectionately because 99% of us do this. <laughs> um, is that you do either the first thing, which is you pressure, cajole, coerce, um, punish, guilt. If the partner won't do it, you you huff and puff um, or make sure they feel it. So you basically are trying to get that person, this is the position, trying to get them to want you, get them to choose you, get them to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, of people in that position, they succeed at getting their partner to have sex with them often. Mm-hmm. But it, it's and you get mercy sex, so to speak, or you get that person to capitulate. But it's a kind of a humiliation to both of you, mm. both the person who actually receives it, because then you recognize, okay, well maybe she or he is willing to have sex now, but I don't feel desired. I feel tolerated at best. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't, even if they're generous about it, so to speak, right? Not punishing in their yes, still don't feel wanted. Mm-hmm. And chosen, which I think is what most people in the high desire position are longing for, mm. is to feel wanted, right? Right. And so it's, you know, and then it kind of, I think a common framing of trying to get this is from an entitlement position, like you owe me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said you, you were going to marry me and love me, or if the male position is basically I need this, you know, I need this to survive kind of idea right. that an entitlement of marriage and sex is a necessity. And it's a very common pitfall. I have men in my practice who've done this a ton in their marriages, but as soon as you make sex about a biological need, you may get sex, okay, because you've guilted your partner into it, but you have now um, basically killed any capacity for sex to be about passion and desire, Mm. which I think is what, most of us want, right? We want to feel wanted, which is the basic framing of romantic relationships. And so, so that's a common pitfall, the kind of entitlement to it, uh, the pressuring around it and punishing if you don't get it because it makes both of you suffer. Because even if you get the sex, you still don't feel desired. The second common pitfall I would say is the sort of opposite side of that, which is that you don't address sexuality. You kind of say, well, my spouse doesn't want it, and I'll do it in a kind of gender-typical frame for a moment, 
which is, you know, she's not that sexual. It makes her uncomfortable if I'm going to be a good man, because I think this is often the way it gets handled in a lot of couples. I'm going to be a good man. I'm going to kind of just stop talking about this or just not bring it up. I'm going to not be one of those hedonistic, self-serving, natural men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm going to just kind of put this away, perhaps resentfully, perhaps angrily inside. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to pressure her in this way. Mm-hmm. And the collusion in the couple, the way the couple works it out, I meaning the first example that I was giving around pressure, the way the couple works it out is the low desire person is kind of managing all the pressure and anxiety of the high desire person by capitulating. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it maybe reduces both people's anxiety because um, you've gotten the other person to kind of validate you by so meaning the low desire person can control the other person's feelings by just having sex so his punishment goes away for example and the high desire person can get the validation the the sexual validation through them being willing to have sex with you so their anxiety will go down so that's one form but in this form the way it gets handled is more like i know sex makes her uncomfortable therefore i'm not going to bring it up because it makes me uncomfortable to know that my desires pressure her in any way right right and so I can't handle the fact that they pressure her and I don't want to be that guy. So I'm just taking it off the table. And so the way the couple handles it is they both sort of collude in the idea that sex is not a big deal and doesn't matter in this marriage. <laughs> they try to make that be true mm-hmm. because the high desire person wants to not feel he's the pressuring person and the low desire person doesn't want to deal with their sexuality or their desire. Right. So that's another common pitfall. Yes, I can totally see how that could be confusing even in your own head to think that you're doing the more, you know, quote unquote righteous thing or by, you know, right. giving up your desire. Um, because it and I think it's not righteous at all. I mean, I, exactly. Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of men think that way. Like don't be that guy that takes advantage. And I think men are really socialized into this idea that sexuality is an entitlement of men, which is different than how women are socialized into it. But it's something you do to a woman. It's not something you share. I mean, this is not the way we really talk about it in our kind of the way we talk to young men and young women. Mm-hmm. And so it's an entitlement, but it's also something you do to a woman and that it has, you know, you're just walking on the edge of it being destructive. So we give men a very ambivalent message about sexuality. It's inherent to being male, but watch it because you could destroy yourself or others with it. Mm-hmm. And for men that are more sensitive, okay, they're going to be ambivalent about whether or not they want to do that to somebody who has their own reluctance and anxiety about sex. Right. And let's face it, most LDS partners are going to have some anxiety about sex because of the way that we're anxious about it. Yeah. And so it means that sex often breaks down for couples around these dynamics. Yes, definitely. Okay. So just putting myself in the place of, you know, my listeners who are really struggling with this, it seems like right now they're up against a rock and a hard place and that they can't pressure or, you know, um, guilt or, you know, try to get what they want that way. But they also like, what can they do? (laughs) They don't want to give up, but they don't want to pressure. Yeah, exactly. And and as you're saying, it does feel like rock and a hard place. And what people often do is they'll kind of vacillate between both positions go from, I can't believe we haven't sex with and then they shut it all down for, you know, a month, and then, you know, so I think people will often do that, and I, I, so I think that the answer to your question is, let me see the best way to sort of frame it, but I think that I'm, 
you know, I think that people don't want intimacy as much as they want validation. And what I mean by that is, as human beings, we're really wired for validation, and that is like approval or to feel that other people are okay with us. Uh, intimacy is the willingness to be known and knowable. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are terrified of being known and knowable. For example, I have a high desire husband that I'm working with who resents his wife like crazy because she hasn't desired him for the whole marriage. Um, but he's no more interested in intimacy than she is. And mm-hmm. he's interested in having sex, her initiating it, her wanting it, and her making it happen. I'll say it that way because he doesn't want the exposure of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so to just be with his wife or to be with her and be sexual is very, very difficult for both of them. Okay. But the high desire doesn't mean that you want intimacy. And the reason why I'm framing it like this is because the way forward is to have higher tolerance for intimacy, Ooh. higher tolerance to be known, even if your spouse doesn't validate what you desire. Which I'm guessing includes communicating your desires and owning them. It does, inc- it does include it, but I would probably want to start with something before communication because okay. what, what we do as human beings in the framing of communication is we, in the name of like being honest or naming what we want, we'll be doing lots of other wacky things like pressuring, coercing. <laughs> so what's the, um, what is the kind of basic framing? So what I would want to start with, if I were the, if I were the high desire person and I had a spouse that was not uh, interested pretty consistently in sex, I would, I think, start with the first question, which surprisingly a lot of people don't start with, which is why don't they desire me? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, why don't they desire? So is it about my spouse, right? Is it an anxiety that he or she has about sex or about desiring or about letting, meaning are you married to someone who doesn't want to let their spouse matter to them too much? I think a lot of us do this in marriage where we don't, we want to be married, we want to be wanted, but we don't want to let the other person matter too much. And we want to matter to them, but we'll hold back. So are you married to someone who's doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it a, is it a form of holding control in the relationship? So I, I guess the first question is, in the name of intimacy, what is happening in the couple? And where is the struggle? Now, it's really tempting to think, oh, yeah, it's check, check, check it's all those things. <laughs> My partner is limited in all those ways, right. and I'm good. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So um, I think, you know, it, is, you may, it may be true that your partner is limited in all those ways or is struggling in those ways. But I think, you know, before you rush into that idea, which I think a lot of people do, I think it's really important to understand how it also might be about you. Right. Self-confrontation. It's why doesn't your spouse desire you? And what's it like to be with you? What kind of a lover are you, right? What kind of person are you? Um, Are you someone who offers generosity and goodness and um, in the marriage and in the sexual relationship? Or are you more entitled and demanding or shallow? Or, you know, are you so anxious in your sexual engagement because you aren't able to kind of be at peace in your own skin that even though you're the higher desire person, you're communicating a lot of anxiety to your partner and they are, excuse me, they feel like they have to manage some of that and therefore are stepping away from sexuality. So, you know, it's easy to think I'm so great. What's your problem? But not really think about what would it really be like being married to me? Why would having sex with me be a drag? 
uh, how would I be not that desirable if I were in my partner's shoes? Mm-hmm. And to have the honesty to really look at that question is extremely important. Totally. Because you can't change what you can't see. Mm-hmm. You can't address or evolve things that you've only got framed in what's my spouse's problem. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and recognizing that these high desire, low desire dynamics, when they get sort of chronic and entrenched, are very much about a partnership doing things in a way that keeps that entrenchment set. Mm-hmm. So I, I've worked with a lot of high desire people for the longest time. I was like, no, they want to have sex. Clearly, they, you know, and I think they do want to have sex. Okay, but but uh, what I couldn't see is the at first as a clinician is how that high desire position is about a high desire for sexual validation, but not necessarily any greater capacity for intimacy, generosity, kindness, openness mm-hmm. in sex. And it just gets sort of played out in kind of opposite positions. And when you have a low desire person, you can be high desire without having to really deal with your anxieties around sex um, because you're always in the position of either pressuring to have it given to you and getting it or not, or or tucking it away, but not really kind of showing up and being with the other person or letting them show you where you're insufficient. Mm. So one more version of this is like the high desire person who, whose wife is starting to show up more and being more honest about it and trying to give feedback about what it's like and how the way he touches her often, she doesn't like it. It doesn't feel good. And he just can't handle it. It's just so diminishing of his sense of self that he just goes into the what's your problem, the way I touch you is fine. That's that's a man who doesn't want intimacy. He just wants his wife to give him the sex he wants. Mm. And if you want intimacy, you're willing to show up, take a good look at yourself, be willing to take feedback, be willing to create something that's actually desirable for both people. Mm. And oftentimes, the high desire person wants to say they're desirable and much more so than they in fact are. Gotcha. That's really, that's really good. So step one, sort of self-confrontation. Are you looking more for intimacy or for validation? And then can we talk a little bit about communication? Like once you've kind of like how to communicate your desires? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, so then I think as an act of intimacy, you can, I think not only can you, I think, it's valuable to not hide what you want. Yes. To be honest about what you want uh, without trying to get the other person to do it necessarily. Mm -hmm. And this is not an easy position to do because as soon as we feel exposed through sort of naming what we desire, many of us then want to sort of secure the validation of the other person going along with it so we don't have to just kind of stand on our own two feet. Right. And when you can't, stand on your own two feet in marriage, you're going to have a very hard time creating anything worthwhile. Right. That's why it's so easy to go to pressuring. Right. Exactly. So a lot of people go to communication. I'm being honest, but it's really about pressuring. Yeah. So what I think to be honest might sound like is, um, I know and I'm just give you one version of it, how you could, how it sounds is I've been thinking a lot about our sexual relationship. I've been thinking a lot about the dynamic that's existed between us. I think that I've framed it a lot as you are the one who's broken around sex. I definitely want to have sex be a good part of our life and our marriage, but I don't know if I'm any more confident uh, really about being knowable to you than you are. Now, maybe, maybe 
you know, maybe, maybe I am, I don't know, but I've been thinking more about my own anxieties. Okay, that would be one, one form of honesty, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sorry for putting pressure on you as much as I have around this because I think it's undermined our ability to deal with it. But I would really like to have a good relationship with you. I would like to grow myself up around this more. I would really like to create something better with you. Mm-hmm. And I would love to think about it with you. Like, why, why is it not so desirable for you? Mm. What is it you don't like about it? And that's a hard question to ask, right? I mean, you have it's to. It's a hard know. question to ask, right? Because especially if you really mean it and you really do want to know. Yeah. You might get the answer and it might not be the answer you want, right? right? Now, your spouse could show up and be like, look, I'm really glad you asked. I don't like the way you touch me. I feel a kind of, you know, like you're out of connection with me when you're with me. Uh, you know, I feel like um, you're self-serving when we have sex. I feel like you're not, it's not really about me. It's just about getting your needs met. You know, whatever the answer is, your spouse could show up and be really honest. And if you're going to really... You know, I was listening to a, um, a podcast, uh, no, a TED Talk on the plane last a couple weeks ago, and she said something like, she was critiquing the language I used in love, and she said something like, to love is to, uh, to collaborate in creating a beautiful work of art. And so if you're going to create a beautiful work of art through your sexuality, which I think it absolutely can be and can become, you absolutely have to look at what you each are doing and what it's creating Mm -hmm. and to not take yourself off the hook in that. How am I impacting this? How does my behavior shape what what we're about? It's it's often really hard to see. So if your wife or your, the the low desire person tracks the honesty of that high desire person, he or she may show up and say what they really think. And that's an act of intimacy and courage too. Mm -hmm. Now they could do that or they may say, I can't, even if you're very self-confronting and honest and you're, you're demonstrating, I want to do something better. I want to create something better. They may still be like, I can't believe you're bringing this up again. Uh, you are, you're so, you know, <laughs> that is to say, the low desire person, their anxiety is going to go up if right. you bring this up, honestly. Right, right, yeah. And so they may very well just want to get it back into the old frame, like you're always pressuring you're always in. Have you been listening to those Finlay's and Fight podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you just get over it already? Okay. So that kind of stuff where they may just try to push it off the table by putting it in the frame that you're the self-serving, hedonistic person and they're tired of it. And what they're actually doing is that they're tracking you're coming at it differently and they want to shut that down because they're also anxious about sex and they're low desire for a reason. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, if I were in the high desire position, I would say I have done a lot of what you're doing, what you're talking about. I've done a ton of it. I'm, I'm finished with doing that. Okay. And I'm not going to pressure you all the time. I'm recognizing how much I've infected and interfered with us creating something good. But I really do want something good and I'm not going to go away around that. I want to create something better with you. It matters. It matters for the benefit of our marriage. It matters for the two of us being happy with ourselves and each other. And I really want to create something good, which is not about you putting out more. It's about starting to deal honestly with who we are. And so we're in a position to create something that we both like, you know, not how are you going to put out for me more? Okay. So I'm happy. How do we create something that we both desire more? Mm -hmm. And I want to do that. And I want to do that with you. 
So that's the honest. Now it's, it is pressuring. Okay. It's so it's not like it's wrong to pressure your spouse in marriage, meaning how to say, I'm going to say it differently than that. If you show up in your marriage, honestly, it will be a pressuring force on the marriage. Right. But it's pressuring for good. (laughs) Pressuring for good, because if you're going to make room for two people and who the other person is shows up, honestly, it's going to pressure the other person to deal with and address what the other person wants and who they are. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a positive pressure of marriage. Mm-hmm. That's why I think marriage can be a divine institution is if you have two people that show up honestly, it pressures development in both people. Right. So if you, uh, you know, if you are married to, again, let me do it in the stereotyped way for just a second. But if you marry a man, you want a man who wants you. I mean, the, the women that are the most heartbroken in my experience are women who are the high desire people and they're married to a man who doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. And that's, just so painful. All of us want to be wanted, men and women. Okay. So if you're the low desire woman and you decide to marry a man, okay, Mm -hmm. you want him to want you. But then what a lot of us do is we don't want to deal with the sexuality of that man. We we want to be wanted, but we don't want to really deal with it. Okay. And a lot of us find ways to pull off not dealing with it, like sex makes me anxious, or I've never been one of those kind of women, or uh, I'm really hoping you're going to grow out of your natural man tendencies. Like we find ways to devalue it because we know we're still desired. And if you're going to be a really fair and decent partner, you've you got to deal with the sexuality of your spouse. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to make room for that other person. And so you have to make a decision. Am I going to, not, not just about sex, it's about lots of things, you know, but am I going to grow up around this to make my spouse suffer less? How do I need to develop myself? Because marriage is going to expose it to you and not just around sex, around your selfishness around how you handle your own desires in the marriage. It's going to pressure you to be fair and decent if you're not going to suffer in marriage ultimately. And so don't, it's different to say going around coercing, punishing, that is to basically go and apply pressure to get people to yield to you. That that's never good in a marriage, but if you're going to show up honestly, it will pressure the marriage by fact of your presence, your honest presence. Yeah. And that's not, Thing as saying that's not a problem. That's not not only is it not a problem. It's it's the drive wheel in a marriage. I loved. I I think that we need to say this so much more because it's so easy, especially in LDS culture. I think to just get on our own heads and think, oh, I'm being selfish. Like to desire that's or right. to want is just to be like, am yeah. I am I in the wrong? I just mean just get over this. Like I need to just serve them and love them and that's it. Right. But it actually is in your own integrity to. Own, take responsibility for your desire, own your desire, communicate your desire and recognize that that's coming from the best in you. And that can be, that's right. um, so I think in the high desire position, especially it's important to not just be hard on yourself and think, Oh, can I just get over this already? Or I'm being selfish. I right. say, no, this might actually, like I need to confront this and that's okay. You're it's coming from your integrity. Yeah. That's right. Because you can't be happy in a marriage. The happiest people belong to their sense of self. They feel like they can live their best selves in the context of the marriage. And in order to do that, you have to create a two-person marriage, room for two people. When we use the framing, I think, in our LDS culture a lot of, I need to put my spouse's needs first, I think it's just the wrong framing on so many levels. Because, first of all, with needs as opposed to the desires of your spouse, it's almost like we don't, who is my spouse? What do they desire in their life? What is it they want to create? But it's not about putting them first. It's about how do I put them on par with my own? How do we create a place where both of us can thrive? Mm-hmm. This idea of hierarchies, one person is first and second and so on, it's 
um, it's, it doesn't work well because th- what often happens is only one person is saying that, how do I put the other person's needs first? And there's sort of self-subjugation that happens that really creates low desire. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's just around sexuality. But if you self-subjugate within a marriage, you're not going to be happy and the marriage will suffer because of it. You can't have one person really unhappy in a marriage and have a happy marriage. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, you've given us so many words of wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I guess just want to summarize, and you can chime in and correct me if I get this wrong, but if you are the high desire sure. partner, the first thing you need to do is really self-confront and ask yourself if you want, if you're looking for int- intimacy or validation and ask what is hard about being married to you, especially sexually, but in all areas too. And then yes. also to, you know, recognize I guess, I don't know, kind of recognize what is coming from your integrity, what isn't, and communicate that which is an honest, an honest, open, like non-blaming way with your spouse. Yeah, the way that I would say it is that if you're doing what you've always done, now you're just talking about it with your spouse, it's not going to get you anywhere. You have to raise your level of intelligence is how I would Mm -hmm. say it. So Einstein talked about this, that you can't solve a problem at the level in which it was created. You You have to get to a higher level of intelligence. And so in order to do that, you've got to look at what's going on. Who am I in this marriage? Why does it make sense that she or he doesn't desire me? And who is my spouse in this? And what is it that we have been doing? What's my part in changing that? And if I'm going to talk to my spouse about it, I can hold up what I desire, better sexual relationship, but demonstrate that I'm willing to address my part in that, what we've done, as well as inviting, the, excuse me, inviting them to address their part. But you're talking about it from a higher level of understanding not just doing what you've always done. Mm. Doing what you've always done when you d- try to address your sexual relationship, it's going to get you what it's always gotten you. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And so you, Thank yeah. you for saying that. I really like that yeah. a lot. That's a good way to think of it. Awesome. Any good. other closing thoughts? No, I don't think so, except that, you know, the, the pressures that you feel, they can be really hard, but they, if you'll let them, they will really help you grow up and grow yourself up. To at least becoming, uh, this is one more thought I would say, is mm-hmm. you can't make someone desire you or love you, but you can hold with integrity the position of your own desirability. You can get clear about and mm-hmm. become somebody that you feel clear about your desirability and your choosability. Now, that may be cold comfort, okay, in a marriage when you have somebody who won't address their sexuality, but at least you're unhooking your sense of self from somebody who won't address or deal with theirs. Ooh. And that getting deeper integrity will liberate you more and free you up to both address what's going on in the marriage better um, or at least deal with who you're going to be in the face of that. Again, you can't control the other person. You can control yourself. And the more you control yourself with integrity, the more self-respect you'll have in your choices, whatever they are, even if it doesn't turn into your spouse dealing with her or his choices. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to control the one thing we have control over, which is ourselves in marriage. We're much more likely to try and control our spouses because it's really hard to self-regulate and choose. Oh, so, um, yeah, so that's my last thought. Perfect. Um, thank you for saying that, that it is, I think sometimes when, when it's hard, we think, oh, we're making the wrong decision, but it's just because it's hard. Doesn't mean that it's not, it's the wrong decision. It's just that it's going to be hard to grow, to mature and to grow up. And that's, that's right. Good better hard yep exactly awesome thank you for all of your wisdom and i that was so good great good i'm so glad thank you for listening if you'd like to learn more about dr finlayson fife's online relationship courses visit her website today 
and look for the online courses tab where you can find both strengthening your relationship and enhancing sexual intimacy, her two online courses for couples and relationships. You can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website at www.finlayson-fife.com. Thanks for listening.